That was a good one. It yeah. like gets better every time you do it. Every time, man. Surprise! <laughs> Belated birthday present. This dude's been grinding since day one. Yeah, and it's something like, who are these dipshits? Exactly. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> Grindcasters, welcome to another episode of the Grind and Gain Show. I'm Andrew. And I'm Johnny. And today we have an awesome guest, a uh, 16-year NFL vet, uh, one of the best long snappers to ever play the game, Patrick Manley. Welcome to the show. That's good to be here, guys. So, Patrick, before we get going, I got to ask Johnny real quick. He, he played in a member guest tournament recently in Scottsdale. And like I mentioned before, Johnny and I stopped talking to other, each other on the phone, so we just try and document our conversation. So I got to find out what happened. Johnny... Tell us what went down at the member guest tournament in Scottsdale. So it was a blast. I had a blast. It was probably one of the greatest tournaments I've played in in a while anyway. But, you know, if there was a theme for the weekend or a title for a book that I would write about that weekend, it would be, it's hard to putt with two hands around your throat. We just, <laughs> we just choked left and right, man. It was, oh. it was a lot of fun. So you show up, you know, member guest, you register and then it's like swag time. So you walk into this room and there's just tailor made gear everywhere. And it's all like cost. You have X amount of dollars to spend. That's all included in, uh, in, in the deal. So I got this sweet backpack and like five boxes of balls. And um, so I'm feeling good about it. Day one, we have our first match. And my father-in-law, who I'm playing with in this tourney, he's like, oh, man, we're matched up against uh, Riggs. He's, he's a fucking asshole. I can't stand this guy. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm like, we're about to stick it to this dude. And um, we get out there. And I don't know why, but I thought his name was Griggs. And so, but it's really Riggs. And I'm calling him Griggs the whole time. So he's, he doesn't like that. Me and him kind of, we're just playful banter, but we whooped their ass five and a half, three and a half first match. So we're feeling good about it. Day two, we get out there. We split both of the matches on day two. And, um, my partner, I mean, he's looking for his ball the entire day. So I'm just literally carrying this guy through the tournament. We split both of those because, you know, we can't close for shit. And then, um, Day three, we split the first match again and uh, finally get our minds right, win the second match. And because of this, and we split with everybody in our flight, basically, you know, we're actually in the lead and um, we tied for, for winning the flight. So we go on, we have a sudden death playoff and uh, do three holes in a row. I have like a 10, 15 footer. I mean, pin placement's a little tough, difficult holes, but 10, 15 footer to close this thing out. I fucking blow it three times in a row. He finally, <laughs> their stroke, the, their guy is stroking on the last hole, so he gets me for a four three to uh, to win the uh, to win the match, and they oh, go on. That's, that's yeah, tough. They go on to the horse race, and um, yeah, that's it. You so. fell off second. I bet yep. you wish you had some long snapper IPAs to drink. <laughs> Dude, after that, that would have been nice. I, I drank myself uh, quite a few tequilas that night. <laughs> Drowning yourself. Open them with birdie juice. The long time. Yeah. That would have helped. Well, yeah, where, where did you play? Where, where did you play? And what's your handicap? So we played at uh, Camelback Golf Club, mm-hmm. and right now I'm I'm hovering at about an eight, like an eight eight point seven. So you want a lot of money at that at that uh, that range. 
Yeah, sometimes, you know. Sounds like it was fun, though. Yeah, it was awesome time. We had a blast. It was it was really uh, it was my first like big league member guest tourney. You know, yeah. Like I've played in a few smaller ones, but this one is like legit. Cost a couple bucks. You know, um, it was it was really nice. They did it right down there. So, Patrick, you have your own beer named <laughs> yeah. Long Snapper IPA that we just touched on. How did that start? Uh, I always thought the name, like, I, I just, I like, I like, uh, I don't discriminate alcohol and I do like a good cold beer, especially when I'm golfing. But, um, I also thought the name long snapper would be a cool name of a beer. You know, like when you're sitting at a bar and you're having a pint or you're having a drink or whatever, you're like, I'll have another long snapper. And yeah. That does have a nice ring to it. It has a good ring to it. And I just thought it'd be fun to come up with, uh, you know, an IPA. I like the IPAs now, like I think everybody else does. And talk to a few friends that are in the restaurant business and the bar and the bar business and that kind of stuff. And they said, Hey, talk to these couple guys. And I talked to a, a local brewery that's actually just around the corner from my house called Tighthead Brewing in Mundelein, Illinois. And I talked with Bruce, who's the owner of that. And we came up uh, with kind of a formula of an IPA and he had a great idea. He goes, all right, if we do this, I want to make it crushable. And I'm like, what the heck is crushable? He's like, you know, everybody's making these <laughs> IPAs and, so he made it like a 6% IPA, which is still heavier than a beer, but it has a flavor where you want to have another one and it tastes great in the winter up here in Chicago, but it even tastes better. I have a feeling in the summer when I'm playing golf, but that's kind of how it came about. And it's a crushable IPA at 6% that's, uh, has gotten pretty good reviews so far. Nice. I saw, that, I saw that on Twitter, how it said, uh, for long snapper, it says, I am a crushable West Coast IPA. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. oh, That's hilarious. Yeah. Where did the logo come from? Because you're long snapping on top of an El Camino, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, that's kind of a cool story. So again, we're sitting there talking about what we wanted the brew to taste like, what do I like, and that kind of stuff. Well, then they brought in their artist that does all the work for their other beers. And Katie Kick is her name. And she sat down and she goes, all right, I got to be honest. What the heck is a long snapper? What do you actually do? I knew you played for the Bears. So I kind of explained what that was. And, you know, you're on the computer showing pictures. And she's like, do you have any pictures of you doing that? So there's a couple on, you know, the Google search or whatever. And so we get done with all that. And you can see her brain working. And she just looks at me. She's like, all right, is there anything else that nobody really knows about you or something that's just off the wall or interesting? And I look at her and I go, I own an El Camino. And she goes, I got to see a picture of this. So I pull up on my phone a picture of my El Camino and, Two weeks later, voila, that was the art that came out. And it kind of follows suit with all their other stuff, which is neat that it's not off-brand from Tighthead Brewing. So uh, that's how it came about. And then Bruce, the owner, is like, we need to put a keg in the back, which there's a keg sitting in the back of the El Camino, and it's me long snapping a ball on top of it. That's awesome. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta, I'm in Atlanta, so i got to get some down here somehow. Well, we're is working it, on that. We're working on all that. So is it just a local brew right now, just up it there is. in Chicago? It is, and it's amazing once I've kind of, well, I'm still learning the beer business or the, the beer distribution business is really where it's at of how to get this out, out of state, how to get it, you know, to just even different areas in the Chicagoland is, is you know, there's, there's you got to leap through a couple things to get it done, but it, it's coming around. And um, I think hopefully once it catches, catches uh, hold here in Chicago, maybe we can make it a little more national. Andrew, we need to hook him up with Joey Godfrey. I was just about to say, so Patrick, I got a buddy here who's the VP of sales and marketing for Atlanta Beverage who distributes 
all of uh, Anheuser-Busch, and then they also distribute like 30-plus craft beer beers. Yeah. Like Fat Tire and sure. uh, there's all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, I would def- I'll definitely pass along your contact info if, if you're interested in Very much figuring so. out how to get into the Atlanta market. Yeah, yeah. So – you were a 16-year, I mean, 16 years in the NFL, no matter what position you play, 16 years in anything, even for a desk job, is uh, uh, impressive. But you were a long snapper, and I actually found a YouTube video, I think it was from maybe early 2000s or something, where you explain that you found long snapping kind of early on, in like the seventh grade. Is that So how did... How did long snapping become your specialty? Yeah, I have a brother who's five years older who um, was a very good football player, a very good athlete, and he got a chance to go to Notre Dame. And I guess if you were to compare it to kind of today's rankings, he'd have been a four or five star recruit. So we had a chance to, uh, I had a chance to like kind of follow in his footsteps. And after he went to Notre Dame his freshman year in 1988, the year they won the national championship, I got to give him a little plug. Uh, he oh, came nice. back after that summer and you know, you're at a school like that. You're there with all other four and five star recruits. So he was trying to find a way to get onto the field a little quicker. And I think they were having one of their long snappers guys at that time. You kind of played another position and long snap uh, was graduating or moving on or doing whatever. So we were out in the front yard working with my brother Bernard of how to long snap, and we knew some uh, some of the Atlanta Falcons coaches' kids went to Marist. I went to Marist High School there in Atlanta and. Um, we contacted, I think it was Rod Dauhauer and said, Hey, we need some information on how to long snap for Bernard. So he sent us like a two page pamphlet of just some write up about how to hold the ball, just some basics of, of how to do it. So we're out there in the front yard and my brother is, uh, going into a sophomore year of college. I'm guess I'm going into eighth grade at that time. And, uh, we're working with my brother and he's learning how to long snap. And finally it's like, here kid, you try it. And I bent over and just kind of followed what my brother was doing and it just kind of zipped back there. And my brother looked at me like, whoa, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) And it did. It was something that just kind of came natural at that age. But from that, I understood the importance of it and what it meant to a team, what it meant to getting, you know, extra reps on the field, being part of, you know, working with the punters and kickers. And from that eighth grade summer, um, I just kind of took pride in wanting to be the long snapper that next year at eighth grade ball and then on. Uh, into college. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was fun. That's very cool. So out of college, you went to Duke mm-hmm. and you were basically like one of the top long snappers in, in your class. And now were you drafted directly as like to be a long snapper? Or were you an O-lineman and a long snapper? Was it kind of an added bonus? Or what, yeah, what was the deal well, there? Yeah. So I went to, uh, to Duke as kind of a bigger human offensive lineman, defensive lineman. My freshman year, I uh, was at the end, actually. And okay. uh, the guy, Gil Winters, who was supposed to be the long snapper, got hurt during um, summer drills. So I had to burn a redshirt year and long snap. So I did that my first year and then moved on to being an offensive lineman, got to eat a whole lot more and drink a lot more beer and eat pasta and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and played O-line as well. Started for two <laughs> years. Yeah, well, that was fun. Um, but I kept long snapping throughout my career. And about my junior year, when the scouts are down there looking at, you know, the seniors that are coming out, we had Ray Farmer who was a high draft pick, so we had some good good scouts come through there. Uh, my name was thrown out there of possibly being an NFL long snapper. We had Joe Delamalore, who's a Hall of Fame uh, offensive guard for the Buffalo Bills. We had a couple other um, coaches who were in the NFL that helped promote me 
to the NFL. So I found out about that time that I could be a long snapper in the NFL. And I had great dreams or, or ideas of possibly being off the lineman as well. But that's pretty much how I got drafted was to be a, a long snapper, but was big enough to, to be kind of a practice squad lineman. And then it turned into 16 years later, I was just strictly a long snapper. <laughs> so how I played college baseball and mm-hmm. I ended up catching catchers are measured a lot on pop time is there something similar that a long snapper is measured on yeah it's it's snap time yeah it's from as soon as you release it to when they catch it and there's kind of a a sweet time between 0.65 seconds and 0.80 for 15 yards that's Um, like that's that's pretty quick yeah it is is. and then some of these kids now and part of it let me get on my soapbox for a minute some of these teachers that are teaching them they want them to snap it so darn hard that the punter can't catch it the holder can't catch it so there's kind of like an efficient snap time, and I was more like a .75, just below .80, where it made it a more efficient snap where the punter could go could fast. handle it. Yeah, yeah giving him a catchable ball. ball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you get drafted, Chicago Bears. You're the longest-tenured Chicago Bear. What was it like just playing for that long in such a diehard sports city like Chicago? It's funny you say that. I just got asked to write the foreword for a friend of mine who's writing a book here in the media here in Chicago. And he asked wow. me the question, what was it like to be a Chicago Bear? If you'll like, kind of go off that, I'm actually in the middle of typing it uh, the last two days. And it's just a flood of memories about it is that, you know, the 85 Bears, I was 10 years old. Uh, so everybody knew who Walter Payton was, the fridge, that defense. Um, and then to get drafted to that franchise and really learn the history that they're the founding franchise of the NFL. They've been around the longest. I know who George Hallis was. Then you read all these names on the wall that, you're playing the same stadium, uh, wearing the same uniform, and you're like, holy crap, I'm a Chicago Bear, man. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. And to be able to put together 16 years was, I guess, the only way I could ever get in the record book. And I didn't start thinking about that until I think it was year 13 or 12, year 12 when I started getting close to the records. And then you're like, wait a minute, my name's going to be next to Walter Payton, uh, Stephen yeah. Michael, you know, all these guys that I'm like, oh my God, what the hell? This is. This is this is dream come true, man. Right. Yeah. So, you played 16 years, like we just mentioned. A lot of different teammates. In 2007, the Bears made it to the Super Bowl against the Colts. That was Peyton Manning. You guys fell short in that game, but what set that team apart from the other teams? Do you think that that made it to that point? You know, people talk about like locker room culture and. Some people, yeah, but you guys are baseball players. Said you know analytics and all that stuff you can break down, but it really comes down to guys liking each other, wanting to go to work, wanting to play for each other, how to you know dealing with adversity. And we just had one of those teams where our superstar was Brian Urlacher, and he's one of the most humble guys in the entire world. And for a superstar to be that humble, nobody could be bigger than him. And then we just had a collection of just good dudes, man. And we obviously had talent. But we had fun at what we did, and we started to give ourselves the belief that, hey, man, we're going to the Super Bowl. We're going to win this thing. And as we started to go along and rack up some wins, we started to build that momentum and confidence, and uh, that locker room really stood together. And that's that was kind of the big, the big reason why. We had some other good years of great locker rooms, but that was probably the just the coolest collection of guys in a moment that we were in that was uh, just a lot of fun. That's really cool. You know, when I think about that Super Bowl, I think about Devin Hester mm-hmm. running it back. I mean, how how big of a freak athlete was that guy? I got lucky to play with quite a few, man. There were a lot of talented guys I got to play with. But 
Devin came in. That was his rookie year, and he returned a punt against Green Bay in the opening game. We won 26 to nothing. And you saw his college highlights, and you heard how good he was. Mm-hmm. But just to see how fast he was on the practice field, even before in camp when guys are trying to chase him. And then just to watch him when he got the ball in his hands with, you know, 10 guys basically coming down and covering him with the punter in the back as being the number 11. He just was faster. Uh, his vision was better. Uh, his instincts were better. And it was a blast just every fourth down whenever they were punting. The defense would be coming off the field like Erlacher Briggs and those guys. They would stop uh-huh. at the sideline and turn around and want to watch the punt return while the coaches are yelling at him, hey, get your ass on the bench. we got to go over adjustments. And they're like, no, 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 hold on, put your hand up. No, we're watching Devin go to work, and that's how good he was. That's awesome. So, Patrick, uh, one of the big themes of our podcast, this show, is we like to tell stories um, from all walks of success, not just mm-hmm. athletes, but business owners, um, social media personalities, all walks of success. And one thing that that – you know, me being a baseball player and failure being so prevalent in that sport, I like to share the highs and the lows. Mm-hmm. What were some of the tough points within that 16-year career that, you know, did you ever have a point where you're like, ah, man, I don't know if I can keep doing this anymore? Well, I mean, I'll go back just even to college. I had a hip injury in college my true senior year. So I redshirted my true senior year and came back for a fifth year. And I thought I was done because they didn't know what was wrong with my hip. Hmm. They, were, they were saying, I think you're done with football. Like, and I, I hit a, like a two week low, man, where I was out drinking, just, you know, like, oh man, it's over. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll readjust, you know, re, re, you know, get back into it in two weeks and figure out how to get through school and figure out what's next. And that was really difficult. And that was looking back on it. Like I, I that was hard. That was going to be a hard adjustment. And then everything turned around. I got healthy and was able to get the NFL. But honestly, when I got the NFL, the, it was something that, uh, like I said, even back between that seventh and eighth grade year, that thank God for my mom and dad and whatever genetic code they gave me to be able to snap a ball, that it just kind of came natural. And I don't think I really had that much true adversity. Of I had one bad snap um, in a 40-mile-an-hour wind. But, you know, I had some coaches that pushed me hard, which would be adversity, you know, going in every day to work and, you know, them dogging you a little bit and, and, and kind of getting on you, which – kind of calloused you up a little bit and made you harder. Um, and then probably the biggest adversity I had was in my 13th year, I tore my ACL. And I heard in the background, everybody, oh, he's done. He's done. He's too old now. He can't come back. And I was able to play three more years after that. And that was a moment where, you know, you just got to put yourself down again, you know, look at yourself in the mirror and say, hey, I got to grind this out. I don't want to give this up yet. I'm not done. Um, but other than that, it was, it was a pretty, pretty darn good career. And I didn't have any other hiccups. I mean, I had that one bad snap, but hey, man, nobody's perfect. But the one thing, the hardest thing about being a long snapper is just the grind of trying to be perfect every time. Right. Yeah. So you you pushed through. You got through your 16 seasons. You're in the record books. Now it's time you just – you're being a long snapper was who you were. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of um, taken away from you at that point. You're no longer going to, you know, right. uh, training camps and with the guys and traveling week to week and playing in the games. And you kind of transition into being not an everyday guy. I mean, you're still a Chicago bear legend, you know, but um, you still have to transition away from the NFL and into entrepreneurship. You know, how, mm-hmm. how did you uh, make that transition? <laughs> Uh, again, I got kind of lucky. So the last couple of years of my career, I had, I've had been a very fortunate life. I'm knocking on wood, man. So my last two years, I helped host 
the Chicago Bears all access radio show. And when I did that, it would be on a Thursday night where with a with actually a radio professional, we would interview a current Bears player about the upcoming week, about their life, kind of like what you guys are doing now. And mm-hmm. I got noticed by 670 The Score here in Chicago. And right after I retired, I got offered the job to be um, morning radio host from 9 to 1 um, with Matt Spiegel on our, our biggest radio station here in Chicago. So I had to say, wow. yeah, my wife was hoping that, you know, I would take a couple months off. We'd maybe go live somewhere, do something fun. But the opportunity came along and she's like, yeah, you're dumb if you don't take this. <laughs> uh, so I took it, but I kind of told the boss, I said, listen, give me six months, give me a six month contract and we'll figure it out. Either I'm going to stink or people are going to like me or whatever. Um, he said, no, we got to do a two year contract. So I signed a two year contract with that. But after six months about the Christmas time came around after the football season, I was like, this just isn't for me, man. I just didn't have the passion for all the other sports. Sure. So with that, I've been able to stay in radio and just kind of be one of their I do the pre and post game show for the uh, six seven of the score here in Chicago uh, for the Bears stuff. So that keeps me involved with that. And the other great thing is the NFL has made football twenty four seven. So you know we still get to talk about the draft in, in April. We talk about free agency in March, and then training camp comes around, and I'm, I'm back on the radio doing some fun stuff with football. So that was fortunate to get that to keep me busy. Uh, then other things I do is I love doing charity. Um, We've joined, worked with a Hab Foundation, and then I do other stuff here in Chicago as well. Bernie's Book Bank here in Chicago, I'm, I'm active with. And then from the radio stuff, I've been able to do some TV where I think you'll like this, Johnny. I host a golf show. Oh, uh, hell yeah. So I, uh, it's, a, it's kind of like a magazine show that comes on once a month on NBC Sports Chicago uh, up here in, in the Chicago land. And we go around and just kind of promote the different Chicago land golf stuff that's going on. So it's been a lot of fun to, to do that. But Again, getting into radio and TV, that's a whole new avenue. So it took a lot of time and investment with people I had to talk to and work with to, to try to be a little bit more professional. And I think you're always working at it. Sure. This is kind of a side question, but I wonder what somebody with your career experience, what do you think about the XFL? Do you think it's a joke? Do you think it's uh, you know just a way for people to get more money during the offseason of the NFL? I mean, mainly... Uh-huh. I think it's yeah. great. I, you know, the yeah. NCAA is kind of the feeder system to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the minor leagues, I guess you'd call it. And I, I feel like now the XFL is that. And I hope it works out. It's kind of a feeder yeah. system for the NFL for these guys that maybe were injured coming out of college or really figure out how to become a pro. Because that's a hard thing to do is how to transition from college to, to the pros. Um, but it keeps guys going. And it keeps you, you know, I'll turn it on on Saturday, Sundays. Just to crack uh, scratch my football itch a little bit, but I, I think sure. it's great. I, I, you know, if there's money there and people want to support it like with the guys with all the dough, I, I think it's great. Yeah. I, I agree with what you said. Cause like the NBA has a G league, obviously mm-hmm. uh, baseball has a ton of farm systems sure. and, and football's never really had anything similar to that. Well, I mean, they had the world league or whatever a few years ago and I'm surprised that really didn't hang on, but I think it just, it didn't, wasn't making the money they wanted. But if you got somebody who's got deep pockets to keep it going, then, then, then help these kids out. Yeah. So Patrick, I, I wanted to dive t- into your, the, the Patrick Manley award. And I thought this was a really cool, um, I, I wanted to read a quick paragraph from the homepage of that award. Mm-hmm. 
And it says the spirit of the long snapper lives not just on the football field, but out in the real world as well. The nurse who hands the right instrument to the surgeon is a long snapper. The legal professional who works late into the night doing the research that uncovers a precedent that wins the case is a long snapper. Anyone who toils in quiet dedication to the greater good is a long snapper. No matter what you do, when you do it with excellence in the face of great pressure, you are a long snapper. I just thought that excerpt was such a cool, there's so many people that grind behind the scenes and, you know, people don't really realize that all the components it takes to win and, and how many teammates it takes to actually be at the top. So I thought that was a really cool excerpt. I wanted to know how the award came about mm-hmm. and then how you, you know, is that something that you have the sole discretion to present each year or can you explain that? Well, let me start off with the, the quote there it was Dean Peterson, a good buddy of mine wrote that and he sent it to me and he helped work the website and get all the, the, the verbiage out there. And I, that you're right. That is pretty cool. And it, it does make sense and it ties into what a long snapper is, but the word came about from the three, there's three founders and I don't really, consider myself a founder because my name's on it. But Kevin Gold, who was a big agent in the NFL with specialists and has a lot of long snappers. And then Chris Rubio, who is kind of the, I guess he's the, the long snapping guru of, of teachers. He has a big um, teaching program, goes around the nation and works with all these kids and helps get his scholarships. Well, those guys called me and said, hey, listen, it's time for a national college award for the long snapper. You know, the, the kicker's been around, the punter, the groza and the Ray Guy Award has been around forever. And now in college football, it's a scholarship position. You know, it's truly a position. In the NFL, all 32 teams have a position dedicated to a long snapper. So it's, it is a true position. And they said, what do you think about putting your name on the award? And that's like, wow, I was honored with that. But more importantly, I was excited to team up with them to get this position recognized. And hopefully at one point we can get in the Home Depot Awards and the Maxwell Awards and move up to where it dessert or it should be. Uh, but that's kind of how it came about. And no, it's not up to me to, to to say who the winner is. We have a 15 person selection committee who are 15 people who are very knowledgeable at the long, about the long snapping position from current to former punters and kickers in the NFL to current former uh, long snappers in the NFL to Tom Lemming, who's one of the top high school recruit guys. Uh, Rich Gosling, who is one of the top, um, actually the, the Gosling ratings for NFL special teams, who knows a bunch about it. Dave Wanstead, former NFL head coach, who's also a special teams coach. We list goes on and on, and it's it's a great group of guys to get together to who really understand what the position is. And uh, this past year, John Shannon out of Notre Dame was the uh, the first winner, and um, he was very much deserving deserving. Um, and it was just kind of a cool process to get this together the first year and and and, and, and how it's taken off. That's really cool. Yeah. So hopefully it gets bigger. I mean, it's, it should get bigger. Um, and, you know, well, real quick, let me keep talking about it. We teamed up with Bernie's Book Bank. I m- mentioned them earlier. It's That's a right. nonprofit here in Chicago where they distribute books to kids who really don't have books in their ho- home. They'll take them to their, their home, their school. And uh, that was our nonprofit. And we were able to raise $50,000 this year for them with the awards banquet we had for John Shannon and two other finalists. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, one, that's one thing we usually ask all our guests too, like how they're, um, because a lot of success is giving back and you know, how they're going about, cause everybody's got kind of a different way. And so that's really cool. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, um, yeah, that about wraps it up. We are going to finish with a section that we call the gauntlet. All right. So let's do it. The gauntlet is a rapid fire, 60 seconds, just random questions from Andrew and I. And uh, basically, you know, if we don't agree with your answer, it's going to be wrong. Um, <laughs> we are the judge and jury, jury on this. So, yeah. All right. So I'm going to, uh, we're, we're going to go in. We always add in this huge sonic boom to kick it off, but I'm going to start at the clock at 60 seconds. Johnny, go ahead with the first one. Ready? Go. Is absolutely nutting a three wood the most satisfying shot in golf? No. You need to know okay. the answer. <laughs> Shoot. Go ahead. What is the answer? Draining a 15 foot putt in the uh, member guest. <laughs> in the member guest. Yeah, that would, that would definitely help out. <laughs> How many long snappers have you downed in one setting? Oh, man. Honest answer? Seven. All right. Nice. Six, crushable. All right. Very crushable. Uh, last concert you went to? Oh, man. Uh, I don't go to concerts. I go to musicals because my daughter. Hamilton would be, I mean, just call that a there musical. We go. There you yeah. go. <laughs> Chicago deep dish pizza or New York style? Oh, New York style. Chicago's going to hate me, but New York style, 100%. What was your go to pregame music? Oh, I wouldn't, I didn't have one. I would play words with friends. <laughs> what? <laughs> <Seriously. Nice. laughs> Who's your favorite this weekend at the Players? Oh, um, oh man. Let's go, Rory. I'm assuming that you've played golf with Brian Urlacher quite a bit. How much money have you won off of that guy on the golf course? A couple hundred. There we go. All right. You were drafted in 1998. Pick your favorite of these movies. The Big Lebowski, There's Something About Mary, Saving Private Ryan, or Armageddon? <laughs> <laughs> Something About Mary. All right. All right. There we go. That's the gauntlet. All right, that's 50 seconds. I'm just sweating a little bit. I'm all right. <laughs> you, said you need a long snapper to quench your thirst. That's right. It'll be later tonight. All right, Patrick, man, this has been awesome, man. I appreciate your time. Uh, we've loved having you on. Some awesome insight. Uh, where can everybody keep up with you on social media? Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Patrick Manley. That's two N's and two L's on the last name. And then Instagram, I am just at Manley, and that'd be it. All right. Excellent. Keep it simple. All right, Patrick. Well, have a good rest of your day. Again, thanks for coming on, man. Um, I'll, I'll let you know when it's passed through the edit phase and it's live. But uh, this has been awesome, man. Yeah, it was great chatting with you guys. And uh, hopefully we get to meet up in the future at some point. Yeah, well, if you're down yeah. in Atlanta, let's uh, hit up. There's tons of good golf down here, I'm sure you know. Amen to that. <laughs> good call. All right, Patrick. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. We'll see you guys. All right, see take you. it easy. Should we play that music? Let's do it. That's pretty good. We'll get there.